Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greedy with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, Legendary Voices Week rolls on. Bob Costas will be our guest today. And a quick story again on Costas. Every time he pops up on television, to this day, my children will say, Dad, there's your idol. Somewhere along the line, I told them my idol in this business, which he was and is, has been Bob Costas basically my entire professional life. He will join me here as we continue this week. And by the way, some new voices continue answering the phone. These legendary voices may become two weeks. Either way, Costas today, the list I think is my favorite we've ever done. The crew is ready. Here we go. Here we go. Only one place to start. And that one place to start is not where you're expecting me to start. That one place to start is with the late, late show last night with James Corden. My kids love James Corden, and I, I, I think he's very funny and very talented. And I don't usually see a lot of the interviews that he does. James Corden I usually see for the bits and the skits and the music and the dancing, and he's a very talented guy. But Tom Brady was on Corden last night, and Brady was hilarious and insightful and just about as Tom Brady as a person could possibly be, honestly. Does anyone have life by the short hairs any more than Tom Brady does? Tom Brady can do no wrong. He looks better than he did 20 years ago. He plays better than he did 20 years ago. He has the perfect family, the perfect career. He just, no one has it going like Tom Brady has it going. But none of that is the point. Two things that he said in that interview stood out for me as fascinating. And they were not the drunk stuff. Yes, everyone is focused on the drunk stuff. Yes, he threw the Lombardi trophy. Yes, he was drunk. Yes, it was funny. All that is great. We enjoyed it. We talked about it when it happened. All that is good and it's fine. But you listen to this show because we tell you the stuff that was really important. The parts people aren't talking nearly enough about. We start with this. Brady talked about the one big difference of this year versus all those other years in New England. And in what he said on the Late Late Show with James Corden last night, I think you got a fascinating glimpse into how you get to become Tom Brady. When we were at that point, you know, at the Patriots, everyone at the the start of the season would be like, well, who are you guys playing in the championship game? Sure. And I was, it always got to be like, you know, the expectations were so uh, not unrealistic. It was just like people jumped ahead of all the intense competition, which, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, it's a lot harder than that. And I think going into this year was different for me because, you know, you go to a different place and that wasn't really the question that was being asked. The question is, you know, can you guys be successful? Um, How are you going to be successful? That, I thought, was fascinating. And we will make it Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. This, to me, is not as much about wanting a new challenge as it is about his love of the process. If you ever tried really hard at anything in your life, you know that it is 100% true when people tell you, take care of the process and the result will take care of itself. The biggest mistake people make, if you're a young person, you're listening to the show and you think you might be able to learn anything today, let it be this. The biggest mistake you can make in life is to be too result-oriented. I will use golf as an example because golf is something I love and I'm obsessed with. If you stand on the first tee and you think to yourself before you hit your first shot, I want to shoot 70 today, your chances of shooting 70 are not nearly as good as they are if while you stand on the first tee, you think to yourself, what do I need to do to hit a good shot right here? I'm thinking about this shot, this moment, and I'm going to do what I need to do right now to hit a good shot. And then I'll worry about the next one after that. 
and then the next, and then the next. And when I'm done, we'll add them all up. And it is sort of like football players or coaches always say, you take care of Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all those days, Sunday tends to take care of itself. And so that, I believe, is what this was about for Brady. And if you don't believe me, then listen to his father. We had Tom Brady Sr. on here the day after the Super Bowl. And I asked him, what motivates your son at this point, having genuinely accomplished everything? And here's what he said. He loves the dirty work. He loves the off-season workouts. He loves the diet. He loves the exercise. He loves the locker room. He loves the mentoring. So it's the process that is what drives him and motivates him. Because it's not like you, you got a line in the sand that on February 7th, 2021, you won the Super Bowl. Uh-uh. He's thinking already about February of 22. And not because he's so driven, but he loves it. What else would he rather do with his life? So that, that part I thought was really interesting and important. It's the process. He loves the process. Most football players stop playing football because they don't love the process anymore. I know a million football players, and almost every one of them will say to me, Greeny, if it was just about Sundays, I'd still be playing. The adrenaline rush, the thrill, the excitement, the fun of playing a football game is something that you never stop wanting. It's all the other stuff. It's all the meetings and all the film study and all the weightlifting and all the you know, the injury and the pain and everything else you have to deal with. Brady loves that stuff. And when you're asking him before a season begins, who are you playing in the Super Bowl? In his mind, you're overlooking all the stuff that actually matters. Winning the championship is just the result of all the other things you do. It's a fascinating lesson into how Tom Brady got to be Tom Brady. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Quickly, he also said another interesting thing about what Giselle said to him on the field. If you've seen the video, it's great. Brady is mic'd up at the Super Bowl, and he's looking for his family, and he sees his kids on the field and all that, and they all embrace. It's a lovely moment. I've watched it. You probably have too. And this is what he told Corden Giselle said to him on the field. All of a sudden, I see my oldest son run over to me. Dad, you know, and I gave him a big hug. I saw my, you know, my two little ones. And all of a sudden, I saw my wife. And I gave her a big hug. And just as I did it, she says, what more do you have to prove? (laughs) (laughs) And what did you say in that moment? What what did you say? I just gave her a big hug. I was trying to figure out a way to change the subject really quick. (laughs) So I was, uh, I think I moved on to something else pretty quickly. All connected together. Again, the Late Late Show with James Corden on CBS is the courtesy. It's a good interview. So Giselle says to him, what else do you have to prove? And it does bring up the question, if he loves the process, if he loves the games, he loves the work that goes into it, what makes him stop? Is it realistic to think he's got five years left? You might say, Greeny, that's crazy. He's going to be 44 by the time this coming season starts. He can't do this at 48. No, he probably can't. But five years ago, if I had said to you, does he have five years left? You would have said, Greeny, you're crazy. He can't do that at 43, and he just did. So what gives us the impression that he's that close to the end? I don't know. He likes it. He wants to keep going. I don't think we're that close to the end of Tom Brady. I'm not suggesting he's going to play five more years. I am, however, suggesting it's not impossible. The New England Patriots drafted his replacement in 2014, Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo has basically been hurt almost nonstop since, and Brady is fine, and he's 43, and he just won another championship. 
That's where it begins today. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. I love the list today. I want you to think about it. Less than 5,000 people were in the arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania, 59 years ago yesterday when Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points. What would you give to have been there? And more interestingly, what one event would you most want to have attended? That is the list today. We'll have your calls on it as well. Plus, Costas is on the way. Just getting started. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. What a day. Costa's coming up later today, part of our Legendary Voices series. Um, We have Brian Windhorst dropping a little bit of a bomb on his podcast, something I hadn't heard Anybody say you'll hear that in 30 seconds and how it could change a lot of teams or at least one team's fortunes after basically 20 years of waiting. And Jackie Mack will jump in on our question of the day as well. We'll do all that in 30 seconds after this word from DraftKings. Three title fights this weekend during UFC 259 in Vegas. And DraftKings, which is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You pick six fighters, you stay under a salary cap, you pile up points for advances, takedowns, and a whole lot more. It's fun. So download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code GREENY. You got a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code GREENY, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details. All right. Uh, to continue the, the basketball conversation, or actually bring up basketball for the first time today, it is my pleasure to welcome, I believe for the first time to this program, and I hope it will not be the last, on the Goodyear Hotline, one of my absolute favorite insiders, our friend Jackie Mack is with us. Jackie McMullen. Good morning, Jackie Mack. What do you say, Greeny? What's well, going I, on? I am well. Uh, two things for you today. We had originally planned, okay. and we'll get back to this Wilt stuff, but then going through the notes... Yeah. Your friend and mine, Brian Winhorst, on the Hoop Collective mm-hmm. podcast, made a fascinating prediction yesterday. Listen to this. I say within the next 12 months, a star slash superstar player demands a trade to New York. And I don't know who it's going to be. I have some guesses I'm not going to say right here. I'll let you guys Aww. start thinking about that. Let's just put it this way. League executives certainly have some guesses. And uh, I say by next year's trade deadline, a player, a superstar, you know, all-star player tries to force his way there. Tries to force his way to the Knicks. It has been, Jackie, a very long time since anything other than the opposite of that happened. But here they are playing well. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a good team now, and they have a coach that is obviously an outstanding coach, and I think there are players in the league who would like to play for him. Do you agree with that? Is the sense you're getting from around the league that players are becoming interested and maybe they finally get the superstar they've been waiting forever for? 
Well, I think it's a possibility <clears throat> for this simple reason. Even as well as, you know, the Nets are doing, right? They're the the best team in the East, and, mm-hmm. you know, I would say the odds-on favorite to win the championship. The, the Papers are still fascinated with the Knicks. That's just how it is. It's kind of like the whole Clipper-Laker thing, right? Yep. So if the Knicks were good, would Kyrie Irving and Durant be on the Knicks today? I think it's a fair question. You know, but the Knicks weren't good and the Nets did a wonderful job of setting up and their, their facilities and all the money they put in. They've done a great job there. So but the, the Knicks have always been this this mythical mecca. Right. So it makes some sense to me that in the right situation, the right player would want to go there. Uh, and you're right. Tibbs, Tibbs has got them the best. They're the best defense in the league. Opponents three point percentage, the best opponents field goal percentage, the best. But they don't have a lot of scoring. You know, they still struggle to score a little bit. So if, you, if you're a big-time player and wants to put on big-time numbers in a big-time city, I, I can see that happening. I'm glad he said two years because I don't think it's going to happen intimately. Yeah, I mean, who, every, right now everything is so crazy and up for grabs. But I am it interested is. in what you just said. You just said you think the Nets are the favorite to win the championship. Quickly, if you look out west, you know, the top two teams mm-hmm. in the west right now are Phoenix and Utah. The Lakers are banged right. up beyond belief LeBron is they not going to play tonight. The first game he'll miss this year going into this All-Star break. But I had Jalen on TV this morning, and he said, Greeny, mm-hmm. if the Lakers get healthy, no one even takes them to six games in the playoffs. Do you see it that way? Oh, wow. So I love Jalen Rose, and he knows a lot more about basketball than I do. That's for sure. But I disagree. And, uh, you know, in talking over the last week to two weeks with people associated with the Nets and people who are observing the Nets and – the, the big thing here is I don't think any of us expected James Harden to do what he's done. And by that, I mean fit in so seamlessly, be so willing to toe the line. He's, from what I understand, he is like lock, in lockstep with all the conditioning guys there. He is committed. He's, he doesn't care about numbers. And by doing so, I think he's made them the most dangerous team in basketball. Now, the defense, I know that. Their defensive uh, ratings and their defensive shortcomings are there. But defense to me is so much about effort, and I think they're talented enough, and we've seen it when they've been engaged, Greeny, in games. At the end of games, when they're engaged and they're locked in defensively, they're pretty hard to, they're pretty hard to score against. So if they get everybody healthy, and that would be the if, and maybe that's what's stopping Jalen, I don't really know. If you get all three of those guys in particular healthy, I think they win. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Hembo just put a number up here. Vegas actually still favors the Lakers. We'll see where it all winds up. Greeny yeah, and Jackie fair Mack. Enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough if AD's healthy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Greeny and Jackie Mack on the Goodyear hotline helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. Now, let me get to what I really wanted to talk to you about today. So yesterday, we did a whole big thing on Wilt Chamberlain because it was the right. 59th anniversary of the day he scored 100 points in a game. And mm-hmm. I... Hembo uh, sent me a whole bunch of numbers on him. Now, I've known them all of my life. I- I'm well aware that Wilt Chamberlain should have his own record book. Um, right. But I hadn't looked them over in some time. And it has become very fashionable now to list the best players of all time, list them in some sort of form, maybe a Mount Rushmore form and all the rest of that. And as I was going through all of these numbers, I found myself thinking, Wilt Chamberlain's accomplishments, his, his numbers, his statistics, so dwarf those of anyone who has ever played the game, that 
it made me question myself and, and why I don't put him on, for example, like the all-time Mount Rushmore of all-time great players. And so I wanted to talk to someone like you with a great historical perspective about the way you believe Chamberlain should be viewed when we put together our list of the, the absolute s- smallest list of the greatest players of all time. Well, it's funny, it's funny you ask about this because I was just talking to someone this about the other day. You mentioned Wilt's 100-point game. Do you realize there were no journalists at that game? Mm. It was played in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and the New York guys were like, eh, need a night off, you know, Philly guys. No, we're not going to go to that game. So there were no journalists there. So it was a different time, different place. But we all know what stands in the way of Wilt's uh, place in his legacy in the game, and it's Bill Russell. Bill Russell wins 11 championships in 13 years. Wilt wins two. They were great friends, great rivals. And Bill Russell was the one that said, I think I'm the only person that understands how great you truly are. That was Russell speaking. Mm-hmm. But we care about winning. We care about championships. And I think that's where things get colored for Wilt. Now, Wilt was an unstoppable offensive sport. I was just talking to Lenny Wilkins yesterday about this. He said he was the most unstoppable player you've ever seen. And he has no doubt in his mind he would be every bit as dominant in today, in 2021, as he was back, back then. But... Because Russell and those Celtics, and you can, we have the argument all day long, if you put Wilt on the Celtics, did they still win 11 out of 13? A lot of people will say yes. But Russell was the most dominant defensive player the game had ever seen, and that became the identity of his team. He was actually a decent offensive player, but nothing like Wilt. But he was a team guy. He was a winner. And that's why when we do the Mount Rushmore, we immediately go to Russell and sometimes forget about this, this larger-than-life personality that could score at will, that could wake up one day and say, I think I'd like to lead the league in rebounding. I think I'd like to lead the league in assists. I mean, just incredible, incredible talent. He did but do that. He, he did wake he up did one year that. and yes, say, I'm going to lead the league in assists. And he did. In 1968, he, did. he right. led the league in assists. He is the only seven-footer to this day to average more than four assists per game for his career. That's correct. And I think Nikola Jokic may join him there. Right. But that's yeah, yeah. another story for another day. Right. No, that's right. And, and so, you know, and Chamberlain, again, I, I, I'm with you. And when I put together my Matt Rushmore, I have Russell on it. And, and then Hembo sends me these numbers. Will Chamberlain holds the record for most rebounds in a game, 55 rebounds in November of 1960. He was playing against Bill Russell and the Celtics. <laughs> he grabbed 55 right. rebounds in a game against Russell. Right. So there's this whole theory on Wilt Chamberlain and the psychological games that Bill Russell may or may not have played with Wilt. And, and this, this, the, the way it goes is that, you know, Russell one-on-one knew he, he would have trouble stop, stopping Wilt, of course. But a lot of times when they were playing games, you know, they, the Celtics would be ahead. They'd be comfortably ahead. And then Wilt, you know, would start going in the fourth quarter. And Russell would let him think he owned him. And Wilt would have big fourth quarters. But the Celtics would still win. Now, you can buy into that or not. That's up to everybody's uh, choice. But there were whole, it was a bunch of, you know, The Art of War was one of Bill Russell's favorite books. And he read it, to, you know, he read it from cover to cover. And I think he had a psychological advantage over Wilt. The other thing was... Because, Wilt, because Russ was such an incredible defender, he was the one guy that Wilt was worried could block his shot. And that did happen, as you know. And I think that was a psychological point in Russ's favor also. Russell's teams eliminated Wilt's teams in the playoffs seven times. 
Chamberlain averaged 30 points and 28 rebounds against Russell head-to-head, but at the end of the day, it was always Russell and the Celtics who wound up winning. This was exactly the kind of perspective that we needed to get. Jackie, don't be a stranger, okay? We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for jumping in here. Have a great day, Greeny. See you later. That's Jackie Mack with us here on the Goodyear Hotline. Really good perspective there. Just, I just, just got me to thinking yesterday. Like I have, I, I pride myself on this Mount Rushmore, and how in the world do I not have him on it? And now I feel a little better about that way that turned out. Now the other good news on Chamberlain's the 59th anniversary of the 100 point game is that it inspired what I think today is an absolutely outstanding green list. The list is what determines who matters. In this business, the green list. All right, the green list is my top five, as voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. And today we're going to have contributions from the staff. I've not yet had a chance to say hello to the hashtag crew. Hashtag Hembo is here, ready to go. Hello, Hembo. Hello, this is my favorite list thus far. That we've done. Okay, I like it too. Hashtag Bubba, how are we today? Hello. <laughs> we'll get hashtag Nuno in here as well. Okay, but so here's the list. Because Jackie just said it, 4,000 people were in that arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania the night Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game. What would you give to have been at that game? And it got us to thinking about the top five sporting events you would most love to have attended. What would be the top five things in sports you most wished you had seen? I can tell you, I have a basketball game. I I did not put a basketball game on this list. Chamberlain is not on my list. Hembo is down on that. We shall see. Here we go. Number five. Number five. Larson is ready. Gets the sign. This strike ball one. Here comes the pitch. Strike three. A no hitter. A perfect game for John Larson. Yogi Berra runs out there. He leaps on Larson. And he's swarmed by his teammates. Look at crowd roar. That was from NBC Television on October 8th of 1956, Game 5 of the 56 World Series. Don Larson throws the only perfect game in baseball postseason history. And let me, in fact, let's just slow down here, uh, Bob. I know usually we do this with the music. I'm going to take a little time. I'm going to explain to you why this is on the list. I have never been at the ballpark for a no-hitter. I've been there for some games that got very close. In fact, I was there in Chicago Hembo, look a game up for me here. Jose Guzman is pitching for the Cubs. I want to say this was the second or third game of the season. So they were like, it was, it was at Wrigley Field. I'm covering the game. There might, might have been 5,000 people in the, in the ballpark. It was nobody at Wrigley Field on a cold day in April. And Guzman took a no-hitter into the ninth inning and with two outs in the ninth, Otis Nixon broke it up with a base hit. Do I have the details right? Yes, that was April 6th of 1993. Okay, I'm in the ballpark. I'm here to tell you that the 5,000 people, as the game is going on, you see people start coming in. You see people start coming in to the ballpark while the game is going on because word is spreading. Sixth inning, seventh inning, there's a no-hitter going on. All the reporters, I'm one of like five reporters who are at an April 8th game or whatever it is. All of a sudden, every TV station in Chicago was sending people over there because we're about to have a no-hitter. The atmosphere in the ballpark, if you've never been to a game where someone has a no-hitter that is getting close It's every single pitch, every single pitch. It's everything that baseball's regular season doesn't usually have. It has this extraordinary urgency. Now, multiply that by a million. It's game five of the World Series, and Don Larson has a perfect game. So literally every single pitch, this thing hangs in the balance. That, to me, would be one of the most exciting experiences. When I was thinking about baseball, I thought about 
the Game 7 of the World Series, what year was it? Braves, Twins, John Smoltz. Jack Morris game? Jack Morris. When it went scoreless into the 10th the inning. I would, that would have been unbelievable. But I think that this one, every pitch, a, no, a perfect game can be broken up. So that was number five on the list of things in sports I would most like to have attended. Number four. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. That is the great Joe Namath. And Joe Namath in Super Bowl three is number four on the list. Now, obviously, there is a personal attachment to that for me. I'm a lifelong fan of the New York Jets. In fact, my parents will tell you where I was for that game. It was played January 12th of 1969. I was born in August of 67. My parents went to a friend's house to watch the game. They had their daughter watch me. (laughs) I've heard this story so many times. My parents went to someone's house to watch the Jets play in the Super Bowl. They didn't go to Miami for it or anything like that. They were already season ticket holders. I'm one and a half. And apparently the, the, the people who they were visiting had a teenage daughter who took care of the baby, I, a.k.a. me, for this game. But not only is it, you know, the fact that the Jets won the Super Bowl and the only one they've won ever, so obviously I would love to have seen that, but the magnitude of that upset. That is a, that is a game that changed everything. It really is, along with the 58 championship game, I think it's one of the two most important football games ever played. That really is where the Super Bowl was born. And so that upset for the, the Colts to be an 18-point favorite and have this upstart team from this league no one took seriously, the American Football League, go out there and beat them after the quarterback guaranteed a win, I think even if you weren't a fan of the team in question, that would have been a hell of a thing to attend. So I put that at number four. Number three. Number three is Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson, February 11th of 1990. Now, that took place in Tokyo. Uh, so obviously I wasn't there. I, I remember I was in my, my parents had an apartment in California and I was there watching it. And I, we've talked about this before. It must have been the anniversary of it. We've talked about this fight recently. That was the most shocking thing I've ever seen in sports. In all the time I've been watching sports, there have been a lot of upsets, obviously. I'm not old enough to have watched Super Bowl three or many other things. Mike Tyson was invincible he was unbeatable he was the baddest man on the planet he was the toughest man in the world Buster Douglas was a nobody and the idea that Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson to a pulp he didn't just win that fight he dominated and Tyson that image of Tyson crawling on his knees on the on the ground on the on the ring trying to find his mouthpiece and sticking it back in his mouth and it's sticking out sideways. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And I can't imagine what it must have been like to be there. You're like, all right, I'll go see the Tyson fight, whatever. You know, He's going to just beat the heck out of this guy and it'll, it'll be entertaining to watch. And then all of a sudden, this guy is beating Mike Tyson. And there's that moment in any upset, and we've seen it in a lot of sports, where you first, as a fan or as a, a spectator, you start to think to yourself, huh, this could happen. You know, and there's that moment. I don't remember exactly when that moment was. The fight is, you know, 30 years ago. But, but there's that moment when you first think to yourself, wow, this might actually happen. And then all of a sudden it happens, and you're like, I can't believe what I just saw, to quote a great announcer. And I still remember Jim Lampley's call at the end of that fight when he said, say it with me, ladies and gentlemen, Buster Douglas, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So that would have been an incredible thing to attend. That is number three. Number two. Number two, and and I kind of almost regret not putting this number one, but the 36 Olympics in Berlin, Jesse Owens defeating Adolf Hitler, and, and that is how I view it, and that is, I believe, the correct way to view it. By winning all those gold medals at a time at an Olympics in Germany at, at a time when Hitler is the chancellor of Germany and was trying to make a point about the supremacy of the Aryan race 
And not only does Jesse Owens go in there as a black man and just dispel that forever and dominate and win all those gold medals, but there's another lesser-known story of that. But in my youth, I would hear all the time from my father of a great sports announcer named Marty Glickman. Marty Glickman was Marv Albert's idol. Marty Glickman was the first great Syracuse sports broadcaster, and he did. He was a legendary sports announcer in his time. That time is a very long time ago. He was also a track superstar and was on that team, was supposed to go with the American team, and was not allowed to compete because he was Jewish in those Olympics. And I asked Marv Albert about this on my podcast when I interviewed Marv last year because Marv was very close to Marty Glickman. And I found out, which I didn't know, that not only did Marty Glickman talk about that all the time, he wrote a book about it, but that Marty Glickman and Jesse Owens remained very close friends throughout their lives. And that Marv spent a bunch of time around Jesse Owens as his life went on because of his connection to Marty Glickman. So when you think about the magnitude of that Olympics and you think about what happened there, it's so much more than sports. Yes, the greatness of Jesse Owens as a track star is what is what it goes up on the screen, won four medals at the 36 Olympics. But it was obviously so much bigger than that. And there's a part of me that sort of regrets now not making that number one. But number one, and we were just talking about this yesterday. Number one. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! You know, we had Al Michaels on yesterday as part of our Legendary Voices series, and that's his call of... You know, 1980, the miracle on ice, and, and I just can't imagine it. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a game, again, I'm old enough to remember the time when it happened, that was not shown on television live. We watched that game on tape delay hours later, and there was no Twitter, so it's not like word had spread. Very, very quietly, word kind of trickled out there that the Americans had won, but it wasn't even something that you would believe if someone had told it to you. It was so improbable. It's, it's the greatest upset. It's the greatest victory in American sports history. It's, it's everything. You don't need me to tell you what the miracle on ice is. And so, of course, to have been there for that, I can't even fathom it. I can't even fathom the combination of patriotism, just sports fandom, excitement, everything else. Uh, how many people looked that up for me, Hembo? How many people were actually in attendance in that arena in Lake Placid, February 22, 1980, to have been there to actually witness that. And anyway, you heard Al Michaels yesterday on this show say that there's nothing he could ever do in sports that could ever compete with that as being the greatest moment of his career. Only 8,500. 8,500 people in that arena to witness that. So that is today's green list of the five events I would most like to have attended in sports history. Now it's your turn. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You want to use it, pick something I didn't put on there. What would be the one event in sports that you would have given anything to attend? What would be number one on your list? We'll do the calls next. We have Costa still to come and a whole lot more. Just rolling along. This is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. And now a word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop on by. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you. Bob Costas coming up in our next hour. Again, my green list today coming off of the Wilt 100-point game. What are the top five events I would have given anything to attend? Number five was the Don Larson perfect game. Number two, four was Super Bowl three. Number three was Buster Douglas. Number two was Jesse Owens. And number one was the Miracle on Ice. We're coming to your calls in a second, but first, I insist we hear from the staff, the hashtag crew. Greeny Insist is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Hashtag Hembo, what's the one sporting event you would have given anything to have seen? The Walt Chamberlain 100-point game, which spawned the list, would be my choice as the one that did not make your list that should have. Okay, fair enough. You would, you've been berating me about that. That in, wouldn't even be indeed. number one on my basketball list. But really? That's, no, I would put Duke, Kentucky ahead of that, and I'd have to think of a few others. Uh, hashtag Bubba is next hashtag Bubba for those who don't know is one of the great sports historians um, in the entire industry and knows as much about this stuff as anybody hashtag Bubba what would be your event yeah I mean a lot of options thought about the 86 Mets thought about the Flutie game I did think about Christian Leitner even thought maybe about going to Pedro game but I'm gonna go September 21st 2001 Braves Mets Shea Stadium Mets trailing 2-1 bottom of the eighth Mike Piazza two-run home run off Steve Carsey for a 40,000 first game in New York after 9-11. Yes, that's a great one. Uh, Mike Piazza mentioned a total of one home run in his Hall of Fame speech, and it was that one. That's a very good one. Uh, hashtag Devin, what would be yours? For the pure spectacle of it, imagine being at the malice at the palace. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Will you get out of here? See, this is what wow. I get for including hashtag Devin in the, in the, in the conversation. That is exactly the opposite of the spirit of the, of the list for today. That's a terrible one. But uh, it, it, it got a laugh out of Hembo. Hashtag Nuno. Give me a quick one. I got to get to the calls. Giants, Bills, wide right. Wide right, yeah. As a Giant fan, I can see it, and that's the Whitney Houston Super Bowl and all the rest of that. Well done. Now to the calls. Here we go. What would be the one event in sports history you would give anything to have attended? Bubba, who's first? We'll start with Jay in New York City. Jay, where do we start? I'm, I'm going to go Game 7 NBA Finals in 1970. Willis coming out of the locker room. Here comes Willis. Yeah, that, that's the Walt Frazier game. See, that is always remembered as the, Will, the Willis-Reed game. Because he limped out onto the court and Marv famously says, here comes Willis, and he makes his first two shots. People then forget that he didn't score again. And Clyde, I believe, had 36 and 19 assists, played one of the great Game 7s in NBA history. Give me the number again. I'm doing it off the top of my head. But Walt Frazier played one of the great Game 7s in history. 36 points, 19 assists, 7 rebounds. Yeah, Walt Frazier, Walt Frazier wins that game and wins that championship, playing against Jerry West, by the way, and everyone remembers it at the Willis game. But that is a very good call on that first one, Jay. Good start. All right, Bubba, who's next? Next, we got Aaron. Aaron, what's your one game you would most like to have been at? Greeny, I'd go to the final round of the 2019 Masters. Instead, 
I was at a bar with my dad after a round of golf, crying my eyes out. Yeah, that's Tiger two years ago. Can I tell you the truth? That was the first Masters I ever covered for ESPN. I was there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because the weather, you might recall, weather came in. They played that round early on Sunday. ESPN didn't have any coverage early Sunday morning, so I flew home Saturday night to see my family. I would have been there otherwise to see it. Instead, I watched it on TV with my son. I will tell you the truth. Watching that on on the couch with Stevie was better. I'm I'm not happy. I'm not unhappy I missed it. But that is a great one. I thought about Tiger. I thought about his first Masters. I thought about Nicholas at 86 at the Masters. All of them would be unbelievable. Greeny, with you, with your memories, what would be the one sports event you would give anything to have attended? Bubba, who's next? Yeah, we got Grant. All right, Grant, which is your event? Uh, Greeny, I'm going to have to say the 1992 Dream Team scrimmages. I want to watch a bunch of Hall of Famers playing for personal pride. That is such a good one. And they covered it a little bit in the last dance. But that's those are legends that not everybody knows. But to his credit, Nuno of our staff, when, when he was giving me some options for this, he put that on there. So the 92 Dream Team, the greatest sports team ever assembled, they beat everybody by 1,000 points. Uh, I don't believe Chuck Daly ever called a timeout during the entirety of, of their winning the Olympics. But the, the games they would play in practice, the games when they go head-to-head, Michael's team versus Magic's team, were, are the stuff of legend to this day. And if you hear those guys talk about it, again, you saw a little bit of it in Last Dance, but if you ever had, get those guys talking about it, those are probably the greatest basketball games ever played. That was probably basketball at its highest level ever played being played because those guys, they would, first of all, I guarantee you there were stakes, and the stakes were significant, hugely financially significant. Um, but that is an outstanding call. I'm very proud of the caller for that one. I have time for one more. Bubba, give me one more. One more, and we got Vince. All right, Vince, what's the one thing you would give anything to have been at? Oh, I wish I could have been there to see the 73 Belmont uh, race with um, Secretary. If you love horse racing, that's a great one. And that legendary picture of the jockey looking back over his shoulder and as Secretariat, there's just nobody there. Yeah, if you love racing, that's a good one. Secretariat winning the Triple Crown that year in that kind of style. And I believe, and this is, horse racing is is something that I don't know the history of the way I do some of the other sports. I grew up going to the track, so I I like that element of racing. But I haven't covered it. I mean, I remember in the 70s, I'm a little kid, I remember affirmed, I remember Seattle slew. I remember thinking that someone's going to win the Triple Crown every year. And then, of course, it didn't happen again after affirmed for whatever it was, 40 years or more. But, but um, that's a good one. That, that's a really good one. Secretariat, if you care about that, I believe Secretariat is considered to be the greatest racehorse of all time. And so that is a really good one. Like that's, that's the beauty of these conversations. You know, I'm going to ask Costas when we get him, what is the one event in sports history that you would give anything to have broadcast? You know, what would you like to have been there to have called? Costas has obviously called huge events, as Al Michaels has, as so many of our guests this week have. We'll see what Costas has to say. He's among the guests in our next hour. We're rolling along here. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.